Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, this is Judy Sedgman, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm here with my dear friend and colleague and wonderful uh, therapist and mentor, Christine Heath from Hawaii. Yes, and I'm in Pittsburgh. It's very different from Hawaii, <laughs> but when we're together, it's always warm. So uh, today we were going to talk to you about something that's commonly like an expression that's used all the time in many, many professions, but in psychology a lot. And a lot of our clients ask us about it. They say, well, what tools do you have or what tools can you offer me or what's in your toolbox? And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it always rings kind of weird to us because the tool, the only tool that any of us have is the ability to think. That is, that is the fundamental uh, way, means that we have to create our experience of life. And it's not in anybody's toolbox. It's, it's, a, it's naturally part of life itself that we have this uh, ability. And so when people start talking about the tools and the techniques and all of this, it's, uh, it, it rings kind of strange to us after all these years. But it's a very common expression, and many, many people talk about it. So we thought we'd talk to you today about why the principles are the explanation or the understanding uh, that, that prevents you from worrying about specific tools for specific purposes. You know, you don't need hammers and, and wrenches and all of these things to fix what's wrong with with us because there's nothing wrong with us. We just have this incredible gift of using our thinking. And sometimes without meaning to, we use it in a way that's painful. And when we do, um, the, the fix is in. We don't need to fix anything. We just need to quiet down, calm down, clear our heads, and allow our thoughts to kind of flow naturally again and, and straighten themselves out. And so we don't have to worry about techniques and tools and uh, things, exercises and mantras and things that we should be doing to keep ourselves on track. And I, and I just think that's such a relief to our clients. I, we've seen it again and again where people say, you mean I don't have to, you know, do anything particular? And, you know, the answer is really, as I think uh, – George Pransky used to say, it's always omission, not commission. You're trying to omit all the extraneous thinking you're doing, trying to figure out what's wrong with you and just commit yourself to peace of mind. You know, I think that one of the things that in the field is that because there haven't been any unified principles, any unifying principles, people have come up with lots of techniques to do to people to try to help them to deal with their life, what's happened to them, what their problems are now. And there's kind of a, a uh, it's almost like a, there's a, a, um, a way of thinking that you can't think that you know the way. And I remember it's interesting because 
when you're moving away from how we all function as human beings and you you're focusing on fixing the product of how we function we're going the wrong way on the road so by saying that there's no right way it's kind of a free for all so you can like go to i think 450 different kinds of therapists now and all doing something different to you even though the problem you're bringing them is the same so you may be depressed you go to 450 different therapists you're going to get 400 different treatments now would you go to 450 doctors that would treat your sore throat differently like that's that's the deal right because but because there aren't those haven't been those unifying principles until now the field has just done the best they could to try to fix what's wrong being caught up in their own thinking as they do it so it's a little bit like um to me it's like like i just bought a printer right and we had to figure out how to get it hooked up to the internet and how to get it hooked up to my computer and doing those kinds of things and it's a little bit like my husband couldn't get it to work so he goes chris i i can't get this to work it's not working and and i said to him well let me look at it for a minute so i kind of got quiet and i looked at it and i think you know I, i saw what to do but it's a little bit like going to the computer and saying it doesn't work let's get the toolbox out and see how we can fix the the printer i mean and and instead of uh looking at the instructions on how the printer works and that's kind of what's been happening in the field it's like we've been getting the toolbox out to fix what's wrong with people or how they're using the principles innocently in a way that is not uh making them feel good or function well instead of getting the the uh manual out as say like okay how does this work if we understand how it works we can get it turned around here yeah i had i had a uh a group not too long ago and there was a person in the group who wanted to uh had been depressed for years she she was functionally depressed as she put it she was able to do her job and be a mother and but she didn't have any happiness that she could talk about and she thought she had to change her life and she was getting ready to send her last kid off to college and her first thought was well I'll divorce my husband and I'll just start a new life and that'll fix everything and i said well uh are you depressed you know 100% of the time she said well you know sometimes i'm doing things with friends or my kids or yeah but she said you know when i think about my life i'm really depressed yeah and i said so uh is part of your plan to stop thinking about your life you know she said what do you mean i said well you know it, wherever you go your life is still your life you know you're you're looking through the through a lot of negative thinking at whatever's going on in life and you're thinking well if something different were going on it would look different to me but it's it won't because through a negative it's like when you have your sunglasses on and it's cloudy out it just looks dark you know and your sunglasses aren't aren't making it look any better but on a sunny day if you put your sunglasses on it makes it nicer to see how beautiful everything is and i said so you're you're wearing your depression glasses as you go about life and make creating a whole new life for yourself is not going to take those glasses off and she said well but my therapist told me that you know if i if i um disentangled myself 
from the things that I've gotten so, you know, caught up in and all the childcare and, you know, worrying about my husband and all these things, if I could just be free, you know, that I would feel better. And I said, um, okay. And so that's, that's advice. And I said, but what would make you feel better? She said, well, I don't know. She said, I kind of got scared about it when I thought about it, because if I were free, then I'd have to make up all my own decisions. <laughs> she started to see all the reasons why that wouldn't work out. And as we went through this over and over again, as I, scenarios came up, she would think of a reason why I know that wouldn't be good. And I said, so I'm just trying to have you see in real time for yourself that a, de- a person who's having depressing thoughts can get depressed about anything. So we've just gone through three or four scenarios of things that you have no idea how they're going to be. And you've decided they wouldn't work because you're in a low mood, not because they won't work because you don't know if they're going to work or not. And so she sort of laughed and she said, well, what would you suggest? And I said, well, I would suggest that you understand how your thinking works so that when you get in a low mood, you don't get frightened by your own thinking and you know how to write it out, let it pass. She said, well, it never passes. And I said, I know because you keep feeding it. But if you understood it, you wouldn't pay attention to it so much. And it was really weird because at the end of the call, she said, you know, I've been in a lot of therapy over the years. And I don't think this is therapy. I think this uh, this is like teaching about life. She said that. And I said, yeah, it is. It's about teaching about life. And she said, yeah. So I I feel like this could be different. So she felt more hopeful. But really, that's the difference that that therapy is when you assume there's something wrong and it needs to be therapized. You know, you need to pick out the wrong thing and do something with it or rearrange it or reimagine it or, you know, kill it or whatever. And understanding about life means that you can set yourself free from fear of your own thoughts because that's all we do is we frighten ourselves with our own thoughts and then we frighten ourselves thinking about how are we going to get rid of these thoughts and then we get depressed because we can't get rid of them by thinking more about them it's um a lot of thinking isn't it it's a lot of thinking that people do and then we do a lot of thinking about why people are thinking And then we do a lot of little techniques about how to get them to stop thinking about it. But understanding that it is just thought is way more powerful than trying to manage your thinking. So, I mean, some people even within our three principles community are interested in managing people's thinking. So we hear stories about people uh, doing programs where they have to identify which insecure thoughts are holding them back or what the content of their thinking is that's causing their uh, reactions or whatever they're doing. But it's really looking at getting people to look more at their thinking and getting people to look more at the content of their thinking is not going to help them to find happiness because happiness does not come from changing your thinking. It comes from a much deeper place than that. And it's not relied on anything. That's kind of the, that's it. That's the beauty of this, I think, because people, people get into a, like a, a loop of trying to fix things, you know, and therapists too. I mean, they go to the next training, like what's the next training on? What am I going to do next in terms of uh, how to help people here? And they, I mean, I've been a therapist now since the middle seventies and 
trust me, a lot of the things that they're doing now is not any different than we were doing back then. It just is a little bit different way of talking about it. But people are still trying to fix what happened to people in their past so that they can feel better. And, you know, there are people that'll take you, if you can't find anything in your immediate past, they'll take you back in the past life you had. I mean, like you keep looking in that direction. (laughs) How many past lives can you go back to? If you realize that, okay, whatever happened to you happened, whatever things came along and incidents that happened in your life, but your, your own well-being was there before you could really process thoughts. So that's what we're looking for, is that beautiful state of peacefulness and security and joy and love that exists before thought, not from thought. Now, you can use thought in a way that magnifies that. Like, you know, the more you're thinking, like Sid would say, Sid Banks would say, turn yourself in the direction of positive thought, but he wasn't saying change your thinking. So people hear it in different ways, but that's kind of where the world is at, is to change your thinking. And so as people understand principle, they hear it at whatever level they're at. And when we have a lot of attachment to our thinking, then we get people to think about their thinking a lot. And, you know, the funny part to me is that it's so much simpler to realize that we can, we can think anything. I mean, there's an infinite possibility of things that you could think at any given moment. And when you think things, you experience them immediately. So that's just mind and consciousness at work. You create thoughts, they take shape in your in your brain, and then, you know, you bring them to life through your senses, and then they appear real to you. But if you start trying to fix the reality, it's, it's not really, a, it's not a thing. It's just the way your thinking looks to you in that moment. So you can, but the more you talk about it, the more real it looks to you. That's the, that's the, the trick here is that, you know, when you bring your thinking to life and you keep bringing the same thoughts to life over and over again so you can work on them, they just take on a bigger and bigger uh, presence in your life and to the point where you think, I'm just haunted by these thoughts. I have a lot of clients that even use that word, you know, I'm just haunted by, you know, my thoughts about this or that or the other thing. Which is true, they're ghostly thoughts from the past of something that they're worried about or had thought about before or happened to them, and now they're um, continually bringing them back to mind to try to fix them or sort them out or understand them better or uh, do something with them. And it's such a, it's a moment of freedom when you come to the realization that all that happened was you had that thought. And when the thought came to mind, it looked real to you. And if you don't like the way reality looks in the moment, all you have to do is just quiet down and uh, not not focus on it. And you don't have to change it. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to come up with some better version of it or, you know, explain it differently. You just have to realize, oh, yeah, that's just one of those past thoughts that when it comes to mind, it kind of creeps me out. You know, I felt really bad um, this week. Uh, the Olympics have been on and our one of our top uh, skiers, uh, slalom skiers, uh, fell every time she got up. And my heart went out to her because she was talking about how the last fall was going round and round in her head and she couldn't get it out. And she was like 
well, this is what happened. I just felt so bad that we couldn't like get her some help so that she could understand how to, how it was working so that she could like calm down about it rather than be the victim of her own thinking. And, you know, she just kept setting it up to happen. I just thought, oh my God, I got to help this woman, but it's no way to, to do that. Yeah, she even said after the first fall, she was quoted in one of the newspapers <clears throat> that I read saying, you know, after that fall, I started to question all of the things I thought I knew about skiing for the last 15 years. Well, if you go back into your past and try to relive every mistake you've ever made and second guess every good decision you ever made, you know, it has nothing to do with the slope today, this moment now. And that takes you away. And when you get in that place, if you get into trying to change the content of your thinking, you just get more into it. So then the more you're thinking about your thinking, the more it happens. And it feels like you can't get out of it. It's like that the movie Groundhog Day. You know, it's like it just keeps happening over and over again. Yeah. I thought the same thing was, um, you know, with a very controversial young Russian skater that she just got caught up in feeling bad about herself and all the things that were happening to her. And then she ended up placing fourth and she was supposed to be walking away with the gold. And, you know, in this case, it solved what could have been a big problem because of the doping controversy. But nonetheless, the poor little girl, you know, my feeling was she didn't really know what was going on. And she was just 15 and she was doing what her trainers told her to do. And uh, suddenly she was a part of an international scandal. But you could see it on her face because the first night of skiing before it all came out, she was radiant. And she was skating with such joy and, and abandon and freedom and confidence. You know, you could just feel like she's no way she was going to lose this jump, you know. <laughs> and then the, the last night, which was last night, uh, she, she just, she, you could see her little furrowed brow and her little sad face and her effort. You know, she was getting ready for jumps and you could feel her hesitation. You could feel her thinking, oh, what if I can't do it? Or, you know, what if people laugh at me? You could just feel it. And then she looked into tears before she even finished her program. And it was just, you know, it, that's, again, she has the same ability to skate that she had three days ago or a week ago or whenever it was. But she now has all these thoughts about herself and all these things that went wrong in this terrible controversy. And that's really that perfect example. You can see it in the world of sports all the time, a perfect example of how easy it is for people even, you know, we know how to live our lives moment to moment to moment. But if we get into a lot of thinking about things we did wrong in the past and things that we could, mistakes we could make tomorrow and things that could go awry any moment and, you know, with all our fears and doubts, uh, it takes us right out of the present and into our, you know, worse nightmares. Yeah. And, you know, when you're, when you're using your toolbox to try to get people to change their thinking and they're in a really insecure state of mind, they get more caught up in it. So I don't know if she had, I'm, I'm assuming she had some kind of coach working with her, but my guess is, is that they didn't understand that because you could hear, like, if you listen to the snowboarders, they would um, talk about, how they, they got in the flow. They call it the flow state of mind. 
right? Where they're just really present. They're in that natural state of mental well-being. They're not thinking about it. One guy said, yeah, I started thinking about it before I got up there at my second run. My first run, I was really relaxed. I didn't care. And then the second run, I got up there and I was like worrying and I was thinking about it. He said, but then I I took off and I had to ski. So I couldn't think about it anymore. You know, (laughs) Yeah, And it's like, understand, like people understand this at one level, but they don't know they understand it. Right. And so they frequently don't trust it. And in the field of psychology, we've been almost taught not to trust it because we think we should be doing something to people so that they can change, which if you think about it is ridiculous, but it's just because we haven't had those uh, formulating principles underlying everything in the field. And that's really what what this principle-based work that you and I do, that's what it brings to the field that's new and different. So what a therapist working from the principles would do, instead of learning a new technique to apply, if they're grounded, there are some people that I, I guess do hypnosis or NLP or doing things like that, that they think are similar. But if you really understand the principles, you would not be mixing it with anything else. So you're not going to have them do something to fix themselves when they're already healthy, but you will help them to understand that they're already healthy. You will help them to understand how thought works, not why they think what they're thinking or analyzing their thinking. And that's really the difference in the work that we do, isn't it, from from the rest of the field. And there's a never-ending number of tools. I mean, for most therapists, you've been around a while, you'd have to have a truck to to haul the toolbox. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and we we kind of travel light. I guess you'd have to say we travel light and we... We travel light, yeah. We keep it simple. Yeah. In fact, a lot of of people will say that it's, it's too simple, right? Yeah. It's true, but I, to me, it can't be too simple. You know, the simpler it is, the more likely somebody will say, aha. <laughs> but, you know, I, I honestly, it is, it is totally joyful to see the light come back on in people's eyes when it dawns on them that, oh, my gosh, I'm making this up. And I just keep thinking about it. And that's kind of what it boils down to, you know, the realization that, thoughts that we bring to mind are just thoughts that we bring to mind. And, and if we don't like the results, uh, we don't need to rebuild the whole house. We just need to look out the window and see something new. Yeah. It's simple, but it's very profound. Yes. And I think that's what the intellect can't get itself around. Yeah. Intellect can get around. You can get your mind around doing something to somebody that you can think about. But when you're left to yourself and you're trusting your wisdom and you're meeting with somebody, you're just going to really let that wisdom that's within you come out and touch the wisdom that's within the client. And then they come up with their own answers. You're just pointing them in the direction of their health. And then they'll do what they need to do to make their life nice. All those tools aren't necessary. They're going to do it. Otherwise, you're going to fix something that's not broken. Yeah, and it won't be the thing that will help them because it wasn't broken in the first place. (laughs) And and frequently, people stay in therapy for their whole life as a result of that because you're teaching them that they're broken and that what happened to them that broke them happened so long ago that you can't do anything about it. Yeah, 
keep it simple and enjoy your week. And we'll see you next time. Aloha. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 